get the meaning behind the numbers, and more. This is TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050, the voice of hockey. Welcome to TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050 Toronto across the TSN radio network. I'm Andy McNamara. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at TSN Analytics. Myself at AndyMC81. Subscribe and rate us on iTunes, SoundCloud, the iHeartRadio app, the TSN1050.ca show page. If you miss any of the show, want to go back and listen to any, not a problem. We got you covered. Big show for you today. Our TSN.ca guys, Travis Yost and Scott Cullen, will be by. A couple of Jameses as well. James Gordon, who covers the Ottawa Senators for the Athletic Ottawa. He'll stop by as well as James Harding, our fantasy hockey analyst from DraftKings and NHL.com. But on the line now on the 3HL Tour hotline, Canada's three-on-three professional hockey league coming to a city near you. Tickets on sale now at 3HLTour.com. And don't re- don't forget, folks, 3HL Aurora Christmas Classic, Saturday, December 23rd, 12 to 3 p.m. at the Aurora Community Center on the 3HL Tour hotline. It's Travis Yost. Travis, how are you, man? I'm doing. I'm doing better than the Ottawa Senators this week. I oh, say that much. Yeah, we're, we'll we'll dive into the uh, to the poor Senators a little bit later on. But uh, let's look at your your latest piece on TSN.ca, all about how Brent Burns is becoming an offensive burden to the San Jose Sharks this year. And if you look at the overall team stats in the NHL, Travis, the Sharks are third worst in goal production this season, 78 goals for. What are some of the advanced metrics behind Burns's lack of production showing you? So it's not only just Burns' lack of production, it's the lack of San Jose's production. Mm, yeah. I think Brent Burns is a phenomenal player. Right? Let me be clear about this. But San Jose, a team clearly evolving. Um, a couple of the players, you know, Patrick Marlowe already left, Joe Thornton on his way out. Keys to Brent Burns. And you could say, okay, Logan Couture is a big piece there, and Joe Kofelski still is, I get it. But for the most part, whenever Brent Burns is on the ice, he's everything through him and to a level that I really haven't seen before. And this is in a league where teams have PK Subban, Drew Dowdy, or Carlson, Victor Hedman. Like the, the, this is a league where defenders are very active in the offense. Brent Burns just has taken it to another level. And part of my concern with San Jose, when, so whenever Brent Burns is on the ice, if there's three shots, Brent Burns will take one of them. Hmm. And if you think about how many shots a team generates over 30 games or so, and you consider how many minutes Brent Burns is playing, he is eating a lot into shots that maybe his forwards should be taking a bit closer to the net. It becomes an interesting question of, is the player actually doing too much, especially in the offensive zone, and is he shooting too much? Should he be looking for more passing options? I think that's an important distinction because – a lot about shot volume, and I think it matters. It's obviously a good measurement of team skill. It, it doesn't help going to shoot between 6 and 8% across all situations, taking 33% of your shots. I mean, that's, that's usually the reason why forwards are predominantly the goal scorers in the NHL. And even our best offensive defenders that we've ever seen, outside of the one Mike Green year and the one Eric Carlson year, I can't really ever remember, and the Brent Burns year, I guess, I can't ever really remember a – Defender being relied on so much for goal scoring. Hmm. I, d- defenders should be relied on all the time to distribute, play, make, and create goal scoring opportunities for both themselves and their team. But when he is being, when so much burden has been placed on Burns to score goals in and of himself, it's starting, in my opinion, it's, it's taken away from scoring the rest of his players. 
And I think that's one of the big reasons why you can't just look at San Jose's low shooting percentage and low goal production rate and say, oh, no, they're talented. It'll, it'll regress perfectly back to league norms. Case. And, and maybe they will start scoring a bit more, but Fender is taking so much of your overall shot volume. Your percentages are going to go down. And I, and I think that's something – this to me is something that you can try and correct through video. If I was Peter DeBoer and I had a, a army of staff below me, I would have my guys looking through the video of every single game trying to figure out, hey, what can we do here to not only show Burns where his options might be instead of shooting on net, but also – 360. Where can his forwards support Burns so that they can alleviate some of the burden from him? I, I, I just think for the betterment of the team, no, no player in the league is consuming more shots than Brent Burns uh, as a percentage of his total shots. I mean, more than Vladimir Tarasenko, more than Alexander Ovechkin, and it's kind of crazy when we're talking about a defenseman here. Yeah, yeah, a shift has to happen. And another team that heavily relies on one piece in the back end is the Ottawa Senators. And we're going to get into everything going on there later in the show with James Gordon from the Athletic Ottawa. But do you see a similarity between Brent Burns hindering San Jose's offense and Eric Carlson not putting up the goal numbers that he's used to? Uh, I, I think there might be some slight relationship, but for the most part, the, the, big, the big divide there is if you look at the percent of that have generate, been generated with Ottawa with Eric Carlson on the ice. And Ottawa has had unbelievable trouble scoring this year as well. Eric Carlson's assist rates are still through the roof, uh, relatively speaking. And in comparison to his prior years, no, they're, they're not nearly as strong. But this year, he is assisting on a ton. I want to say 70% of the goals Ottawa scores while he's on the ice, he will have an assist on, which is crazy high. So to me, that's indicative of a player who's much more picking his spots in terms of shot distribution versus playmaking and setting up opportunities for his teammates. Whereas Brent Burns, he's taking 32% of the shots and only scoring 9% of the goals, but his assist rates are still pretty low too, um, relative to where his numbers have been historically as well. So again, I, I think it's more about, I think Ottawa is probably the example that you want to set for uh, running a team through a superstar defender. I think Carlson is the, it perfectly balances Julie versus I will create for my teammates. I think, and again, I don't know if this is a Burns blame game, a forward blame game, a coaching blame game. I, I don't really know how to divide that up. But I do know uh, that, that Burns has eaten way more into the rest of his teammates' shots than Carlson has in, on his respective team or any other defender for that matter. In conversation with Travis Yost from TSN.ca on Twitter, at Travis Yost. Now, Travis, anyone who follows you on Twitter is aware that you're a Buffalo Bills fan, and far be it from me as a Browns follower to chirp any other team uh, at 0-13 and 1-20. I'm not going there, but it's tough to be a Bills fan. Despite being 7-6, and they're still in the, in, in the, the playoff race, but it's, it's difficult. They're inconsistent. Um, when, you, when you look at the, the Sabres, in Buffalo, at least the Bills are have a little bit of of hope. Is it harder right now to cheer for the Sabers or the Bills? Do you think? Oh, it, it, this is an easy. It is harder <laughs> to cheer for the Sabers. Like, look, I, the Bills' history does themselves no favors. Yeah, but in 2017, the Bills will give you a, a pretty much a better than 50-50 chance of winning a game. I mean, empirically, we know that's true. They're seven six. The, the Sabers kind of look hopeless, I, and I don't know. I guess that there's not going to be a single more interesting team. I guess Ottawa could be neck and neck with them, but I think they're, they are the most interesting team in terms of what they do on the trade deadline. Yeah. You have a new regime, a pretty, a pretty new regime, now, now well-situated. They're seeing what's not working, 
and they have a series of players that I think would be covetable on the trade market. Uh, the, the, a lot of the discussion has been about Evander Kane, uh, who's been a solid producer for basically the last two years in Buffalo. I think there'll be a pretty big market for him. And the other, the other interesting name where I think you're going to start hearing some kicking around about is Ryan O'Reilly. Uh, hmm. That was the big prize acquisition for the Sabres a few years ago. And O'Reilly's still a fine player. He is exceptional defensively. Never been a great producer, but he is a, a you know still a well solid, very solid top six option. If if teams could, if, if Ryan O'Reilly had become available, and Buffalo said we're going to use O'Reilly and Kane as the two options to basically rebuild this entire team from the ground up, and quite honestly, I think they could. They do have a, a, a decent crop of young talent. Uh, if they could split those two assets and get five or six back. Uh, a couple draft picks, maybe a couple younger NHLers still maybe on, on smaller deals. I think that's the way that Buffalo can trigger a, a, a legitimate shot at a rebuild. Because right now, I mean, I watched that team. They, the biggest, thing I, biggest indictment you can have for a team is that if they, they don't do anything well. Yeah. And, that, and that's where the Sabres are right now. Like they, they, don't, they don't really move the puck well. They don't score a lot of goals. Defensively, they are a mess. The blue line is... I, I would argue for the last two or three years, maybe the weakest blue line in the NHL. And the goaltending has been extremely inconsistent. And I actually am more of a, I think most Sabres fans are, but even at his best, he's been very average. And they gave up, mind you, a first-round pick for him. They don't do anything well in 2017. And this is a team that is now, what, in year nine? They are way, they are way climbing up the uh, playoff drought uh, pretty quickly here. Uh, and, and honestly, I don't know... Outside of gutting this team a bit at the trade deadline, I don't know what direction they go. They, they have been, in my opinion, the least impressive team in the NHL this year. Yeah, I'm with you, and especially since they were supposed to kind of be the model the Maple Leafs were supposed to follow, but had a, a year head start with Eichel, right? And it just yeah, hasn't Andy, worked out. Yeah, and Andy, that, that's a great point, and there's one other great point that I really forgot. Not only should they have been ahead or at least in sync with Toronto, they are playing in a terrible division this year. I mean, a, that division is terrible. Tampa Bay is great. Toronto is solid. I don't, again, we're, we're still debating if they're solid or great. I'm, I'm going to stick with good, not great, so, still for the Maple Leafs. But beyond those two teams, they, those two teams are clear playoff teams. Beyond those two, who is exactly good in that division? Boston yeah. can be hit or miss. Boston looks good when they're good, but when they look bad, they're really bad. Montreal's been up and down all year. Ottawa's terrible. Florida's terrible. And it's like, you know, you start going at Detroit is horrendous. You start going down the list and you're like, how is it possible that Buffalo hasn't even fluked into a 500 win-loss record at right. this point? Like, the, the competition is not stiff. It, it's, it's very, very sobering if you're a Sabres fan right now. Yeah, it really is. And the, the only longer drought in Buffalo is uh, the Bills, who haven't made the playoffs. Sorry, Travis. <laughs> Oh, is that right? <laughs> Since 99, at least my Browns have that. They made it in 2002. So <laughs> that's all I got. I remember the game. Kelly Holcomb. Yeah, yes. Kelly Holcomb. Oh, it could have been. Anyway, Travis, I'll go uh, cry <laughs> over that, and uh, we'll talk again next week. All right. Take care. Andy. Okay. That is Travis Yost. Make sure you follow him on Twitter, at Travis Yost. After the break, we'll get to some more Senators talk and swing around the Atlantic, too. James Gordon from The Athletic, Ottawa, their lead writer, joins us next on TSN Hockey Analytics across the TSN radio network.
Do you love three-on-three overtime hockey? Then you'll love the 3HL Tour, Canada's three-on-three professional hockey league. Some of the best hockey players in Canada competing for money in your hometown. One day only. Three hours, eight teams, one winner, $15,000 cash purse. Upcoming dates? December 23rd at the Aurora Community Center. Go to 3HLTour.com and grab your tickets. That's 3HLTour.com. Use promo code 1050 for 30% off tickets. Presented by The Mobility Shop, GTA's number one home health care equipment retail shop. Welcome back to TSN Hockey Analytics. I'm Andy McNamara, and you're listening on TSN 1050 Toronto across the TSN Radio Network. Subscribe and rate us on iTunes, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio app, the tsn1050.ca page if you miss any of the show or want to go back and listen to past episodes on Twitter at TSN Analytics and myself at AndyMC81. Let's head right now to chat with James Gordon, lead senator's writer for The Athletic Ottawa on the 3HL Tour Hotline, Canada's three-on-three professional hockey league coming to a city near you. Tickets on sale right now at 3HLTour.com. And on Saturday, December 23rd, folks, 3HL Aurora Christmas Classic. You don't want to miss it. December 23rd, 12 to 3 p.m. at the Aurora Community Center. James, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm well. Um, so let's begin with uh, some news that came out Friday evening. Uh, Frank Saravelli from TSN tweeted it out. Um, you've seen the, the quote from uh, uh, Ottawa Senators owner Eugene Melnick. The question was, uh, do you have the money to keep the Sens afloat? And his reply was, for how many centuries? I'm not going to blow a lifetime of working hard on a hockey team. Uh, your thoughts? Well, I mean, and the sort of saber rattling about, well, I'm not going to sell the team, but I could always move it if I have to, that kind of stuff. I mean, you know, I, I don't really know what purpose that serves for Eugene Melnick right now. It's a bit of a strange statement to make when, you know, everybody, the entire national media is in town here. It's it's a, like a frenzy, you know, beautiful visuals everywhere. The alumni are playing, you know, um, and, and everyone, you know, after losing 12 of 13 games or whatever it was before picking up a game here the other night and, and trying to go into this weekend on a positive. And I mean, to, you know, to come out and say stuff like that, um, it obviously puts a bit of a damper on, on what's supposed to be kind of a celebratory weekend. But I mean, um, those are the kinds of comments that, um, you know, kind of exasperate the fans around here. And, and if Eugene Melnick's trying to sell a product and, and, you know, um, he picked an odd time to, to, you know, make kind of a, a quasi-threat when everybody's trying to, you know, uh, put a positive spin on things this weekend. Yeah, be in a good mood. And, and that's, you know, just one of many things piled on to the Senators right now. And the, the the future, like, how dim do you think it is, James? Because, all right, for, for this season, we look last year, they were in Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah. How, how did this all fall apart so quick? Well, I mean, I think number one for me, it starts from the goal out. And, you know, last season, Craig Anderson was, um, I think it's second or third in five on five save percentage in the league among goalies who'd had 20 appearances. So, you know, they had obviously elite, elite goaltending last year. And this season, Anderson is sub 900. I think he's at uh, 897 or something at this point um, overall. And, and Mike Condon, who did. Um, a fine job last season. I mean, he's, he's not, he wasn't Craig Anderson last season, but he held down the fort when, uh, when Anderson had to, uh, deal with uh, his wife's cancer diagnosis and he was in and out of the lineup and Condon's st- 
stepped in admirably and, and Condon is struggling really badly this year too. So, you know, that doesn't help when you go into every game and, and you're kind of expecting to give up three goals. So that's number one. Uh, number two, you know, if, with the offense, it's, it's um, you know, partly variance probably because they have, you know, a, a low shooting percentage lately and that's yeah. being reflected uh, on the scoreboard. But at the same time, you know, they, there's, um, there's a lack of aggressiveness with this team this year where you look at where they're taking their shots from at five on five and, and on the power plane. It's just not in that high danger area. There's kind of a lot of floating around the perimeter. And I think that's one of the big reasons they're having trouble scoring. And I mean, same deal on defense. You know, any any defense pair that has Eric Carlson plus X is going to be a good D pair. But they're having some real trouble work in their bottom sort of four defensemen and 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 their bottom six forwards. I mean, it's it's a top heavy lineup. They have some good core pieces here. You know, I mentioned Eric Carlson, and you think about guys like Matt Duchesne and Mark Stone and Mike Hoffman. I mean, they have talent on this roster, but the problem is, is that a lot of the, the sort of depth players, which I think the team was begging a lot about um, at the beginning of the season, stepped up in the way that you need them to. But I mean, again, uh, having sub 900 goaltending, no matter how good you play everywhere else, is probably a, a, a ticket to not making the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, very true. And you mentioned Eric Carlson there, and a lot has been made about his future. Uh, what are you feeling, hearing, thinking about if he is going to stay long term with the Senators, or is a trade at some point in the works? Yeah, you know, it's it's hard to say right now because everything is so fluid with this team. I mean, this is not where they expected to be at this point this year. Um, you know, they surprised a lot of people last year and, and, you know, got as far as they did. And I think at the very least they wanted to, or they believed that they were a playoff team, you know, um, where you get in and you see what happens again. So this is completely unexpected to them. I think there's a lot of people that it wouldn't be completely unexpected to because I think some of their underlying numbers have identified some issues with this team. But, I mean, this is kind of disastrous on, compared to where they thought they would be. So, you know, if you're Eric Carlson, you start to think, and you're looking what the team's going to do this year. I mean, do they... Uh, get to a point where they cut bait this year and start moving depth players around Eric Carlson and, and, and then what's the plan? Are they trying to do a quick reset where they can say to him, look, just stick around here and we'll we'll recharge really quick or, or if they go full rebuild, I mean you know, why would Eric Carlson at age 29 or whatever it is want to stick around for that? Yeah. So you know, there's so many moving pieces right now and I think it's, some of it will get sorted out as we kind of find out what this team is throughout to the end of the year um but i mean you know i go back to the melnick comments that we're talking about i mean does, is that the kind of signal you want from your owner if you're thinking about signing a long term mm. somewhere right because a lot of yeah yeah there's a lot going and he you know one of his one of the um i guess selling points of him staying here is you know he's built a life here and his wife is from here and you know then you go and say yeah well you know i could move the team if i wanted to you know that's that sends kind of a weak message to a guy you want to keep around that's a great point yeah because okay you stay if the team moves who knows where it ends up it could be seattle it could be quebec city it could be anywhere yeah and i think though and and you know just the overall 
instability is something that, mm-hmm. that you know, is, is not a super appealing reason to resign. Now, I think, you know, maybe this blows over, and I think Eric Carlson has signaled that he wants to stay in Ottawa, you know, despite the fact that he's made it pretty clear he's not giving a big hometown discount to do so. Um, I think that would be his preference to stay, but at the same time, you know, there's just so much going on with this team right now, and it feels like it's been endless here for uh, a little while. Interesting. Interesting to follow. James, uh, really appreciate you taking the time. Let's do it again, hopefully on happier terms for the Senators later on in the season. Sounds great. Thanks for having me. All right, that's James Gordon on Twitter, at James underscore J underscore Gordon, the lead Senators writer for The Athletic Ottawa. We'll take the break and come back with some hockey fantasy talk with James Harding, another James of DraftKings and NHL.com. Stay tuned. You're listening to TSN Hockey Analytics. Get the meaning behind the numbers and more. This is TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050, the voice of hockey. Welcome back to TSN Hockey Analytics. I'm Andy McNamara, and you're listening on TSN 1050 Toronto across the TSN radio network. Get us on Twitter at TSN Analytics at AndyMC81. You can subscribe and rate us on iTunes and SoundCloud if you miss any of the show or want to go back and listen, as well as on the TSN 1050.ca show page, iHeartRadio app, just about anywhere you want to find us. You got us. Let's talk some fantasy hockey here, folks. We go to my guy from DraftKings and NHL.com. Hockey fantasy analyst James Harding. James, how's it going, buddy? I'm doing well, Andy. How are you doing this week? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Hey, you know what? Let's help our listeners win their their week in their league or win some money on DraftKings. Let's begin with stock up, stock down. Okay, so who is your stock up? A couple stock ups for this week, uh, this weekend, James. Uh, yeah, a couple of stock up options for this weekend, and the guy who I really uh, like right now for the Columbus Blue Jackets, and this I know the second straight week that I'm going to Columbus for a stock up guy, but with how well they've been playing this season, it's hard not to like a lot of their players, but... Uh, Top of my stock up list this week, Oliver Bjorkstrand, hmm. uh, third line winger from the Columbus Blue Jackets. He is playing with Boone Jenner and Matt Calvert. He had three assists on Thursday night against the Islanders with two shots on goal. Gives him points in four of his last five games. Uh, one goal, six assists, and 12 shots on goal in that span. Uh, 21 points in 32 games this season for them. So when you look at really up and down their lineup, how complete that team is right now, and Bjorkstrand has been moved up and down uh, uh, their lineup between their top six and right now skating on, on their third line. But with the loss of Brandon Dubinsky, a player like Bjorkstrand and a line like that, could be relied on heavily so i really like where where his game is right now for the blue jackets and like i said uh scoring a lot as of late already has a career high this season 21 points in 32 games and then the other guy my stock up for the week cali yarncrock uh from the Nashville predators right now skating on the second line names in the nhl philip forsberg and pontus auberg Love that Pontus Oddberg guy. Hmm. Uh, Four-game point streak, goals in three games right now, uh, points in uh, six of his past seven games overall, four goals, three assists, 16 shots on goal in that span. Even with Ryan Johansson 
back right now. Kyle Terrace has kind of taken over as the number one center there. The top six, really, really fluid right now, playing very well. So I like where Yarncroc is, and I like the fact that even though Johansson is back, he really hasn't seen any kind of a turndown in, in any of his production. So I, I like him going forward. If he starts to drop off, you'll see Johansson you know, move back into his normal spot, which I expect anyway. But as long as Yarncroc continues uh, to produce, he's going to get the, the minutes and he's going to get the production. That's the key in fantasy, right? You ride the hot hand. So those are a couple guys to keep an eye on in your fantasy pools or DraftKings lineup. Who are, who are one or two to avoid in your stock down? Can we pick an entire team? Because, oh. uh, I mean, the, the, <laughs> the Ottawa Senators right now, oh, um, I, I, you know, if, if we can, then it would be the Senators. But, Stay clear. <laughs> uh, if, I'm, if I'm picking one player from there uh, who's a, a major stock down right now, it's, it's Eric Carlson. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you don't really expect this from a player like Eric Carlson, what has happened to him over his past 14 games. He only has two points. Uh, he snapped a career-long 10-game pointless streak on December 7th. But in his last four games uh, since that, he only has two points. 19 points in 25 games this season, but 17 of those points came in his first 11 games after his return from off-season ankle surgery. That team has just gone way downhill incredibly quickly since trading Kyle Terrace to the Nashville Predators and bringing in Matt Duchesne. It's incredible how that trade really unraveled that lineup is seeing a huge drop-off right now. So his stock is is way down for the Senators. Yeah, I tough to, to disagree with that. The whole team, I'm, I'm with you. Anybody else outside of the collective Ottawa Senators, or is that going to wrap, wrap you up for the stock down? Uh, one other guy I'll just mention right now, and it's kind of hard with Austin Matthews being out of the lineup. Uh, Toronto hasn't been great, but Nazem Kadri, uh, pointless in his last six games, uh, he does have a solid production this season, 23 points and 81 shots on goal. But if you're looking for a mid-range center this weekend, I might stay away from him. Okay, so stay away from Kadri and Carlson in your fantasy lineups. Uh, James Harding of DraftKings and NHL.com fantasy analyst on the 3HL Tour hotline right now. Catch the excitement of the 3HL Tour. Canada's three-on-three professional hockey league coming to a city near you. Tickets on sale right now at 3HLTour.com. And remember, folks, 3HL Aurora Christmas Classic is Saturday, December 23rd, 12 to 3 p.m. at the Aurora Community Centre. Be sure to check it out, and you can check James out as well on Twitter at jharding underscore hockey. Okay, James, let's get to a couple of uh, Saturday matchups. And, and as we know in fantasy, it's all about opportunity, and it's about matchup. And with the Jets and the Blues, who's been picking up the slack since Schwartz has been out for Winnipeg that might have some good fantasy play on Saturday? Yeah, I mean, you're talking about replacing a guy in in the Blues lineup right now in Jaden Schwartz, who uh, had 35 points in 30 games, skating the majority of the season with Vladimir Tarasenko and Braden Shen. Uh, Shen, 37 points in 33 games right now. When you when you remember his career in Philadelphia, you're, you're sitting there saying, well, "Who who is this guy?" <laughs> um, Schwartz was having just an incredible season, and it's so difficult to try and replace any kind of production like that. But right now, it seems like the first guy up in their lineup, 
uh, 11 points this season, four goals and seven assists in 30 games. Um, he's been pointless in his last three games right now against the Sabres, the Lightning, and the Ducks, but he has 12 shots on goal in that span. So, uh, you know, Jaskin is not afraid to shoot the puck, and he's going to be put in situations right now where he's going to be given the opportunity to produce. He's skating on the second line with Shen and Alex Steen. So the the pair of them, Jaskin and Steen right now, are going to be looked at to pick up a lot of the scoring slack behind the first line of Tarasenko, Stastny, and Sabotka with, with Schwartz out. So right now, it's Steen going to have to shoulder the load in Schwartz's absence in the middle six for the Blues. A lot going forward. Jaskin is going to be definitely more of a matchup dependent value play for DraftKings lineups. Right. Maybe a guy to slide in on Saturday. And James, this matchup I'm very much looking forward to. Two high scoring, high flying teams, the LA Kings in to New York to take on the Islanders. Yeah, I mean, when you look at this, you have the Kings right now, 12th in the NHL, averaging three goals a game. You have the Islanders, second in the NHL, averaging three and a half goals scored per game. So uh, I know that the Kings are first in goals against right now, but it seems like no matter who the Islanders play, three, four, even five goals a night sometimes uh, against very, very quality competition. You look at, they scored four goals in about a period and a half on Thursday night against Sergei Bobrovsky. So I, I really like this matchup. I think it's going to be a very, very high-scoring game. When you look at a guy like Josh Bailey right now, fifth in the NHL in scoring, 38 points. John Tavares, one point behind him, 19 assists for 37 points. Anders Lee leads the Islanders, 19 goals on the season. So that trio right there, of Bailey, Tavares, and Lee, one of the highest scoring lines in the NHL. They are one of my top lines for Saturday night. And then, of course, you look at the Kings, Drew Doughty, uh, Marion Gabrick is back and playing well for them. Obviously, Anze Kopitar is having a great resurgence season this year. 38 points. He's tied with Bailey for fifth in the league in scoring. Dustin Brown is actually on pace right now for a career high in points, playing on a line with Anze Kopitar. Jonathan Quick or Darcy Kemper, whoever starts for Los Angeles, who have both been just fantastic this season. So this is going to be a very, very exciting matchup. It could be one of those ones that uh, a one nothing 2-1 game, or it could be one that... And depending on how hot the goalies get. And James, of course, people can check out and play the NHL on DraftKings in a couple different ways. The classic salary cap format, or the new pick'em style, where it's the tier system, where you have each, you pick which player is going to do the best in each group. And go from there in that um, in in the the PPR system type of there uh, type of thing there, and then of course the classic game. So uh, lots of ways to enjoy, right? Absolutely, yeah. It's uh, it's been really great this season, uh, seeing a lot of really positive moves forward with a lot of the players on DraftKings with the two different options, and uh, and and people are excited about it, man. The, not just the salary gap, but the the pick'em has just exploded and really opened up a whole nother avenue of, uh, of fantasy hockey ability for, for a lot of players out there. So there's a lot of good going on right now. Yeah, I really like the pick'em style there. And of course, hey guys, if you have any fantasy hockey questions, James would be more than happy to hear from you on Twitter at jharding underscore hockey. James, great stuff as always, buddy. Let's do it again next week. 
All right, Andy. Thanks a lot, man. All right. That was James Harding from DraftKings and NHL.com Fantasy Analyst. After the break, we will wrap up the program with Scott Cullen from TSN.ca. A lot more coming up on TSN Hockey Analytics across the TSN radio network. Welcome back to the show. This is a TSN Hockey Analytics, and you're listening on TSN 1050 and across the TSN radio network. I'm Andy McNamara. Get us on Twitter at TSN Analytics, myself at AndyMC81. Let's head now to the 3HL Tour hotline. Catch the excitement of the 3HL Tour, Canada's three-on-three professional hockey league coming to a city near you. Tickets on sale now at 3HLTour.com and this Saturday, today, or, or next Saturday, December 23rd, 12 to 3 p.m. at Aurora Community Center, December 23rd. You can catch the 3HL Aurora Christmas Classic. Scott Cullen on the line from TSN.ca. Scotty, how's it going? Awesome. How you doing, Andy? I'm doing well, sir. Hey, let's kick it off as we do with... It's time for the best and worst of the NHL this week. Hockey analytics, heroes and zeros with Scott Cullen and Andy McNamara. All right. So heroes and zeros time, Scotty. Hey, you know what? Hard to argue with just about anybody being a hero on the red hot Tampa Bay Lightning right now. You're starting with Tyler Johnson. That's right. Tyler Johnson. Uh, and you know what? As, as hot as the Lightning were at the start of the year, Tyler Johnson wasn't producing a whole lot. Hmm. And um, the, the Lightning have moved him up in the lineup. Uh, first, they moved him up to play with Steven Stamkos and Evgeny Domestikov. Now he's playing with Braden Point and Andre Palat. Uh, but in both cases, uh, Tyler Johnson has been productive. Uh, right now he has 11 points during a six-game point streak, uh, 56.5 uh, Corsi in that time. And... Um, you know, this is this is a player who's got a track record of being able to score, and the fact that uh, you know he wasn't early in the year um, kind of got overshadowed because the Lightning were scoring enough that it didn't really matter. Uh, but I think in in terms of you know long term uh, success for the Lightning, they they are going to need uh, some scoring depth, and Tyler Johnson uh, is one of the guys who can provide it for them. Well, I was just going to say that, Scotty. Like it, it, it's great for the lightning like a, a plethora of riches so now you have tyler johnson coming on so if somebody else right like if somebody else takes a step back now you have him in full swing like it just seems like they've they've been built so well to withstand any individual slump well this is the thing is if you have sufficient depth um you can afford to have uh one or two guys go in slumps because you have other players right and, and there you know there are other teams around the league where it's Oh my gosh! If, if you know player X goes into a slump, well, you know it's over because they have no one else to to lean on. But in the case of Tampa Bay, it's ah. So Tyler Johnson started slowly. That's fine. We've got a guys who can who can uh, carry the offense. And now now it's not as though Johnson is carrying the offense. But goodness, eleven point streak is a pretty solid uh, contribution from from Johnson. Yeah, no doubt. Okay, so the second hero go to the, the the story of the year, the Vegas Golden Knights. They continue to do so well. Second place, Eric Hall is your guy. Yes, and you know, I think a lot of the the notoriety that is uh, going to players in Vegas uh, is centering around Jonathan Marchessault and William Carlson, and deservedly so. They're having great, great, great seasons there. Uh, but Eric Howell coming over from Minnesota has been uh, a real nice addition, um, and lately he's been centering a line with David Perron and James Neal, uh, and has seven points. And Corsi during a five-game point streak, and you know this is a guy who was mostly a third and fourth line player for Minnesota, uh, but he's showing that he can provide more than that um, 
in Vegas. And I mean, this is the opportunity that is there for any of the guys who get selected in the expansion draft is, okay, can you be more than you were um, with your previous team? And so far for, for Eric Howla, he's he has been, um, you know, and he, he's got 10 goals on the season. And so he's a, a pretty solid secondary contributor. So those are the heroes. Let's go to the zeros now. Leo Komarov of the Maple Leafs, Scotty. That last five games, I'm just looking on NHL.com. A uh, lot of ice time, but zeros across the board. Now, golf, we're liking this. Hockey, not so much. This, this is the issue with, with Leo. It, it, it's one thing to not be producing. He has, he has two points in his past 20 games. So uh, we can go back further than just, than just five. However, if you go uh, in the last half dozen games, no points. Uh, has just four shots on goal, 36% Corsi, which those are numbers are just awful. But he's playing over 18 minutes a game. Like it's one thing for the Leafs to sit here and wonder, oh, we're you know we're not scoring enough. Where, well, maybe it's because you're playing Leo Komarov more than 18 minutes a game. Right. Um, you know, ha- hashtag free Josh Levo. <laughs> you know, get get somebody out there who can score a little bit because right now Komarov uh, is not and. Uh, it's it's worse than when you have you know the, when the possession numbers are sinking too because that's that's an issue that's hanging over the Leafs as a team is that you know this was a team that was a pretty good possession team last year started the season positively but it's kind of been sinking uh, steadily throughout this season and you know if you have like guys like uh, Nazem Kadri and Leo, Leo Komarov who who have had decent possession numbers in the past aren't putting them up now uh, and you know the results. Are a little shaky, and it's not. It's not as though the Leafs have, um, you know, fallen off dramatically, but I think they've kind of been bailed out by their goaltending yeah. uh, quite a bit over the past month. And you know, so if you're gonna, you know, start providing, you know, sufficient support for your goaltending and, and score enough goals and, and carry enough of the play, uh, either either you need more out of Leo Komarov or you need to play him less. Yeah, that seems like a lot of lot of commitment. Uh, ice-wise for a guy who's really yeah putting up nothing. I, I love that, Scotty. Okay, TSN Hockey Analytics uh, listeners, all right, hashtag free Josh Levo. Free Levo. We'll keep it simple. Free Levo. <laughs> I like it. But, 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 Scotty, it makes sense. Like, if a guy's not producing, I know Leo, very likable. He's a crash-and-bang type of guy, but at some point, if you're playing somebody that many minutes, you have to be getting more than literally nothing. Literally nothing. Well, well, yeah, you can't be getting 18 minutes a game just because you're likable and crashing. Right, that, and you can play the piano. That's yeah. the argument you make. That's the argument you make for keeping Matt Martin on the fourth line. Yes, is, yes, is okay. Well, he's a physical presence and so on, and that's fine. But if you're going to get 18 minutes a game, there, there needs to be some some offense included. And, and so far, uh, that has not been the case for Leo Komarov. No, not at all. All right, your final zero, Nolan Patrick, the 19 year old from the Philadelphia Flyers. Yes, and I'm trying not to be too harsh on, uh, <laughs> on a rookie who's been injured and, and so on, but uh, the past six games he has no points. Uh, of course, he's under 43%, and only has three shots on goal in that time. And, and frankly, he's, he's more talented than that, but he's also kind of, because there were some injuries and, and a bit of a slump, he's sort of fallen out of um, out of an ideal situation in, in Philadelphia. Like he, he's been playing mostly with Jordan Wheel and Dale Weiss lately. Um, that's not exactly setting him up to have have great production um and you know i I look at this and it's just a bit of a rough time for um you know the second overall pick in the draft uh who as i said he he has missed some time with injuries and now has like two goals in 21 games so far and um i think we've seen enough kind of flashes of his talent to know that he can do better uh but at this moment, 
uh, it's not a great time for Nolan Patrick. No, not at all. All right, that was Heroes and Zeros in conversation with Scott Cullen from TSN.ca on Twitter at TSN Scott Cullen. Let's get to a couple of your articles here, Scotty, on TSN.ca. And again, you tweet out all the links. Uh, this one has your NHL rankings, and the Nashville Predators have leapt up. Now we have the Tampa Bay Lightning, as we said, they stay at number one. No surprise there. LA Kings sit at number two, but the Predators have jumped. Last week you had them at number seven. This week at number three, they're moving on up. That's right. They're moving on up now. I mean, look, part of the reason that a team, teams move in my rankings is, is related to uh, who's available on the roster. Uh, and so in the case of, of Nashville, Ryan Johansson, the number one center, had been out with injury. Right. Um, but has uh, he has returned. And uh, in the case of the Predators, they've also been uh, on a pretty good roll lately. Uh, I think one regulation loss in the past eight or something along those mm-hmm. lines. And so um, there, there are about a handful of teams right now that I think we can – kind of look at as, as viable challengers to the Lightning who are, uh, you know, Lightning are kind of holding steady at number one. Um, but the uh, the Predators are certainly in that group of, of teams that um, are kind of right up there to, to challenge the Lightning. And kind of from week to week, it, it, you know, th- those teams tend to shuffle around just a little bit. And it's like, well, one team, you know, they, they won a few more games, had a better goal differential, or another team had some somebody go out uh, due to injury and um editors are kind of comfortably in that group um the fact they moved from seven to three is really a function of johansson coming back right. uh, more than anything else and if we look at the boston bruins too now they're in the lower portion of the of the top 10 but they've gotten in there uh, last week at 15 this week at seven and scotty if you look very quietly the boston bruins have got on a nice little run the past while after a bit of a shaky start and are now third in the Atlantic. Yeah, and you know what? The Bruins had had a uh, quite a bad run of injuries uh, early in the season, uh, and, and they're just sort of getting over it now. Um, you know, they, they, uh, you know, David Krejci's missed time, and David Backus has missed time, and Marchand missed time, and, and you know, those, those are significant players. And, you know, Patrice Bergeron missed time for them. Like, these, these are all guys who really moved in. They're all back in the lineup, and, and the team's starting to win. And, and some of the rookies who um, they were giving ice time too early have, have been able to contribute in uh, kind of secondary roles. Danton Heinen, Jake DeBrusque, you know, maybe guys who, who aren't getting you know great pub, uh, you know, nationwide kind of. You know, it's not like they're huge stars, but they've become solid, you know, top nine contributors for uh, for the Bruins. And um, so you know, you get you get healthy. Uh, the goaltending, I think Tuka Rask went through a bit of a, a tough stretch earlier in the year, but uh, he seems to have come around too. And so, yeah, the, the wins are starting to pile up and they're healthier. And, um, you know, that they have kind of moved themselves into a, a pretty good position right about now. And last one here, a faller, the New York Islanders. And Scotty, we know the amount of talent on this team, and this might be a function of, you know, it's December and teams go in dips and valleys and all that throughout the season. But yeah. uh, nine this week, five the week before, and that course before has dipped quite a bit. Yeah, and when here's the, um, you know, I, I've been probably early uh, on the Islanders kind of bumping them up. Mm-hmm. You know, I was ahead of uh, the curve a little bit when they were going going good early because the numbers were so, you know, their underlying numbers were strong. They were scoring a ton. And it, it was like, okay, well, I'm, I'm on board with the Islanders. And it was basically kind of following the Matthew Barzal um show because you know we knew what they had with Tavares and Anders Lee and Josh Bailey that okay that was a, a pretty good top line that they have but you didn't know what they had behind well 
all of a sudden Barzal has, has come in and been, uh, you know, a point per game scorer as a rookie, and that, that's really made a difference. And and so, you know, I was <laughs> pumping their tires for a while, and, and uh, now now they have uh, kind of told me to put on put on the brakes. And uh, you know, they've they've struggled here in December, and so yeah, they've, they've dipped down to uh, to number nine. Uh, they're still the second highest scoring team in the league, so. Um, they they have that going for them, but uh, at the same time they they are giving up too much. Their goaltending hasn't been great, um, and even their defensive play uh, in general uh, has not been great. But uh, I kind of I kind of look at because of uh, the emergence of Barzal and Jordan Eberle's been uh, pretty productive, and and Andrew Ladd has been uh, a solid contributor this year. That that I think the Islanders are probably better than you know we might have expected coming into the season, um, but you know. Their recent play has sort of you know, lowered the expectations a little bit because um, you know all, all that optimism that was going say through at the end of November, um, they're, they're starting to wash it away right now. Scotty, great stuff as always. Thank you so much. People can get you on Twitter at TSN Scott Cullen, and we'll uh, chat again next week. Sounds awesome. Thanks, Andy. All right, that was Scott Cullen from TSN.ca. That'll do it for another edition of TSN Hockey Analytics. Again, get us on Twitter at TSN Analytics at AndyMC81 for producer Sean Lavery and Grady Sass. I'm Andy McNamara. You've been listening to TSN Hockey Analytics across the TSN radio network.